الحمد لله وكفاه وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإن تعدوا نعمة الله لا تحصوها سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم It's human tendency to overlook the good things in life and to focus in on those things that apparently are not so good. It's human nature or human tendency to overlook the good things in our life but rather to focus on those things that apparently aren't so good. The reality is that every human being, we've been created in such a way that for every 99 things, and this is maybe this arbitrary number, but for every 99 things that are going well for us, maybe one thing isn't going so well. And what happens is that our brain has this bias, a negative bias, they call it, and it tends to really focus laser sharp on that one thing that isn't perfect for us. And what it does is it basically removes any possibility of appreciating the 99 good things that are happening to us at any given moment. So, for instance, it could be that I had breakfast this morning. It could be that the power is still on in my house. It could be that my car is still working. It could be that my kids are all healthy. It could be that... Um, uh, uh, it could be that my, um, uh, my legs are still working. It could be that my mind is still functioning. It could be that all of these things are happening and we get one little cut on our finger and all of our attention is on this you know, little cut. Right? And all this attention is on this one, one, one small difficulty. Now, even if we think, okay, well, certain difficulties are very, you know, very extreme, maybe something as difficult as a death in the family, or maybe something that's difficult like losing a job, still, in the grand scheme of things, right, this is one thing that's not going so well for us in this big picture of 99 things that are going so well for us. We just don't have the ability to focus on those 99 things. Our, our natural tendency is to not focus on those 99 things, but to become hyper-focused on that one thing. That thing becomes you know, the, the, uh, what's constantly on our mind. That thing becomes what's driving, you know. Things may be going well at work, for instance, right? Things are going well, you have a good relationship with people in the group, etc., and uh, your paycheck is coming week after week, and now one person asks you a question that now leaves in your mind, why were they asking that question, right? Now all this doubt comes into our mind, and although everything else is going well, we got to work safely, we, you know, uh, we were able to uh, finish the projects that we needed to complete, we were able to drop our kids off at school on the way, etc. But that one question now becomes that one thing that's on our mind and plaguing us. This is called the negativity bias. Now, this comes from the brain. This comes from the mind. Uh, certainly, we as believers know that a lot of this comes from shaitan. And the emphasis that shaitan has on taking away our appreciation for those things that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with and rather having us focus on those things that maybe are a bit difficult for us, right? Now, the problem is that when we become fixed, when, when we, when we underappreciate all of the good that's occurring to us, when we underappreciate this, it lends to a tremendous amount of suffering. 
our day-to-day life becomes very difficult to live. Because we're either thinking, why am I always the one that's being tested? Or why are all these bad things happening to me and no one else? Or in general, why is it that I have to go through so much difficulty? I wish something would finally go my way. Right? Why is it that I have to go years and years and years like this? So it lends to tremendous suffering. And in this world in general, if you were to separate people into two categories, people that appreciate what they have and people that underappreciate what they have, there's a, there's, this, there's, a, there's a clear segregation between these two people. One group, with, that, with, with their appreciation, they're very content in life. And the other group who, has, who, doesn't, who don't appreciate things well, they're very discontent with life. Life becomes like a misery for them. Life becomes a misery for them. Now, you know, it's incredible because, you know, again, we're talking about how things that are so, you know, that, that are, that are uh, the difficult things, let's say the things that are not going so well, they become so magnified, right? That it, you know, we, we, we tend to forget the, the quote-unquote little things in life that are such really a big deal. You know, just... It's just it's it's interesting because in all, un, until and unless we reflect upon our day to day, we don't really come to this appreciation. But if just something as simple as you know lifting up your left arm in the air, right? The ability to to go from here into here. Now we probably do this like a hundred times in a day. For some reason, we're reaching for a cabinet, we're shaking a hand, we're driving our car, but our arm is moving from one direction, point A to point B, and the amount of um, uh, complexity that goes into that simple movement, if we really were to appreciate it, if we really were to appreciate it, then any difficulty would just become, uh, would, would just dissipate before our very eyes. You know, for instance, for me to be able to, to lift my arm from here to here, you know, how many components need to be involved? For one, I have to have this uh, planning to begin. My, my, I mean, I know I'm, I'm naturally moving my hand right now as I speak, but my brain is subconsciously planning this movement for this hand to go from here to here. So part of my brain, the front of the brain, is now planting and st- planning and strategizing, and this happens in a millisecond's worth of time, the how is this arm going to get from here to here? Now it communicates with the middle part of the brain, right? The motor part of the brain. And it says, okay, you need to now take this arm and tell the rest of the body that it needs to move up. So that sends signals down the brain, down the brainstem, into the spinal cord, through the, the, through the neck. Eventually, it reaches nerves in the arm. From that nerve, it has to go to the muscles in the hand, uh, or in the shoulder, you can say. And then from that muscle has to fire, and I'm, sim- I'm, I'm simplifying this, right? But these things involve millions and millions of cells and neurons, and, mil- and, and such precision that if even one small thing were to go wrong along the way, this arm cannot be lifted from here to here. Then those muscles have to be told by the nerves. And these are, you know, millions of, of neurons that are firing for this. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of cells that are required to become activated for this arm, for that, those muscles have to contract, and then this arm can be lifted from this direction to this direction. And it's not, it, as it's moving in this direction, there's continuous feedback from my arm back to my brain so that my brain can properly move the arm. Otherwise, if I have to go from here to here, it's possible that I can go straight. It's possible that I'll go this way. It's possible that I'll go this way. It's possible that I'll go this way. So all of these movements as it's going up have to be continuously giving feedback to the brain that look, things are steady, keep going. Things are steady, keep going. Things are steady, keep going. All this is happening for this arm to go from here to right here. Now think about how many other movements we're making over the course of a day. And each of these movements requires such complexity and all of this is under the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Now, we won't appreciate this until we lose function of our arm. Someone who has a frozen shoulder or who tore a, a rotator cuff or someone who's plegic, maybe they had a stroke or something and now they can't move that arm. They're the people who begin to appreciate, wow, like all that I had, you know, all of that is now just gone. Now, you know, ask them what it's like to not be able to move an arm from one place to another place. Right? What, what would they give? You know, and I, I see patients that have pretty complicated strokes. And you give them, and some, a lot of them are young, 30, 40, 50 years old, who can't move one side of the body. You ask them, what would you be willing to pay so that you could regain function on that side of the body? What would you be willing to give? Their car, their house, their entire life savings, just so they can regain the, uh, the uh, ability, the function of moving a limb. They would literally give up everything they have just so they could regain that function. So all of this is happening due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, hukum and the ability for us to continuously move our limbs in such complicated ways, not one arm, both arms, both legs, you know, shoulders, everything. And then in such, you know, perfect manner for us to walk to our car, the coordination that's required from one foot to the next foot to the next foot. Ask someone that has a true gait disorder where they can't walk you know, uh, uh, in coordinated movements. Let's say they have a, a problem with coordination and they, and they fall every time they take a step. Ask them what they would do in order to gain, regain the ability to walk. So, I mean, this just happened for us from, you know, parking our car from Maghrib and coming into the masjid. It's such a complicated process that human design wouldn't be able to come up with this. Allah Ta'ala not only has given us the ability to do these simple things, simple things, quote unquote, but not only that, but He's maintained it. And He's maintained this without us even appreciating the complexity of these movements. It's incredible. When we're sitting here right now, you guys are looking at me, I'm looking at you. You know, you can look at the calligraphy on the wall. Now, we just look at it, it goes through our mind. We, you know, we may notice it, we may not notice it, we move on, right? But how complicated is it for something as simple as, you know, uh, an ayah on the wall to be processed by me, right? One, there has to be light in the room. Okay, fine. Doesn't involve me. Okay, fine. I don't need to appreciate that as deeply. Okay, but there has to be light for, for that to be able to reflect. Then whatever light is coming is, not, is reflected from there now has to be transferred across the room and it has to enter into my eye. Now, it's possible that I could have... Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the the light as it's entering my eye, it's possible that there could be a coating over my eye so it can't enter in, right? That's one possibility that can go wrong. Then it has to enter through the front of my eye, through the fluid of my eye. That light then has to go and reflect upon my retina. And it has to be so perfectly placed that if there's some distortion of that retina, then we can't process what's being seen in front of us. Then from there, the cells that are in the back of the retina then have to somehow take that light information transmit this into a, a, a tiny wire. Now that wire goes from here all the way through my brain, it crosses over in different areas and eventually it lands in the center. It's a section called the thalamus. Now from here, it then has to move, be processed to some degree and it goes in different directions. And then from there, it travels further to the back of my brain and then it creates this picture, right? Now, so all of these structures on the way have to be perfectly intact, doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing without any structural variation, without any functional variation, without any physiologic variation, or else I wouldn't be able to read what's on the wall. So once it even gets here, it's not that it just gets to the back of the brain where vision is processed. Then from there, my brain has to interpret that information. What exactly does this mean? Then I can say, oh, these are letters, right? This is, a, th this is Arabic, right? And have I seen this before? That has to get processed in a certain way. So then those visual areas now communicate with the memory parts of the brain. 
So, I mean, this isn't to go through a, a lesson on, on anatomy and physiology, but it's just to, for us to appreciate that something as simple as seeing something, like my son or my daughter or my spouse or my parent, I mean, this is no joke. Ask someone who, who's lost their vision what it, mean, what it would mean for them, to free, for them to be able to look at their child one more time. Just for, you know, 30 seconds, if I could look at my child again, what, what would they be willing to give up in their life? Probably limbs, right? Probably the ability to walk. Certainly, you know, fi finances would not be any, of any concern. Those 30 seconds of vision are so valuable to them, they would give up the world just to be able to get that back. So, but, so, so look, I mean, this, these, these comp I mean, I'm just talking about the human body, right? But all of these things are happening to us continuously throughout the day, right? Minute after minute, in such precision, with such perfection, uh, with such nuance. You know, how many of us have thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for maintaining these bodily functions for us today, or yesterday, or the week before, or for the years that he's done it for us? But rather, we're very focused on the car accident I had last week. We're very focused on, you know, how my, my driveway didn't get plowed the way it should have gotten plowed. We're very focused on why there's an extra tissue lying on the ground in the masjid and how no one else, no one ever, no one ever sees this besides me. How come no one takes care of this, etc., etc. Some complaint or another, right? So it's up to us to, to channel our attention away from those things, those one or two things or three or four things that in the grand scheme of things, yeah, while they're difficulties, they're, they're very minuscule in the grand scheme of what Allah has given us. So it's up to us to channel our attention away from those few small minuscule things and magnify the constant blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided us with. Right? And so when we think about it in this way, then it makes sense. When Allah ta'ala says in the Qur'an, that if we were to try to account for or count or calculate the blessings of Allah Ta'ala upon us, we would not be able to do it. It's impossible. There's no human calculator. There's no um, supercomputer that can calculate the blessings that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has given us. The simple blessing of moving an arm from one place to another how much computation and calculation would be required just to factor in that, right? How many numbers? We're talking, I already told you, millions of neurons are involved in that step, right? So now you have to calculate million times how many millions of times that's occurred in our life. You can't calculate it. It's, it's, it's I mean, a, a calculator can barely calculate it, let, let alone us. Allah Ta'ala is saying, we can't calculate it. It's not possible. It's, not, it's innumerable. Right? We can't take account for it if we tried. So, the, the reason that you know, we're even having this discussion is because it's important for us to understand. We're, we're believers, right? We, we accept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us and blessed us. It's particularly important that we express gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's particularly important that we express gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what's interesting is if you look at common society today, uh, and in the general scope of, of encouraging people, right, encouragement and wellness and things, one of the principles that's highlighted, perhaps more than anything else, is the practice of expressing gratitude. Now, this is what's recommended to people who don't believe in Allah, who are either agnostic or atheists, or who have no appreciation for true blessings that come from a divine being. But the expression and practice of gratitude 
is so dominant in the field of wellness that everyone's being advised to do this. You go to any corporate seminar or any workplace seminar and they talk about burnout and, they, and if they'll talk about how to maintain yourself, etc. One, the first thing they'll talk, one of the first things they'll talk about is having a gratitude journal or having some, some method by which you express gratitude. And they'll be clear, you don't have to express gratitude to God, right? but you have to express gratitude in some way. Write down the things that you're grateful for. Write down the things that you are, you know, the, the good things in your life, etc. Meaning they've established that if a person practices or expresses gratitude, if a person expresses gratitude, then it changes their perspective on life and it has tremendous benefit for them. Whether they believe in Allah or not, that's what's incredible. The, the appreciation of blessing isn't limited to people that believe in where that blessing is even coming from. The, the barakah that comes from being great, grateful, it extends to even those who don't know who they're being grateful to. It extends to even those who don't realize who they're being grateful to. It's incredible. You know, many studies have shown now that people that express gratitude and either are grateful or demonstrate gratefulness, that it improves their sense of happiness and worth. It improves their, positive, their, their outlook on life. It improves their social relationships. Now, we don't think about this directly, but a person who's more grateful, a person who's more grateful in general, but in our case to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person who's more grateful has better relationships with their spouse, with their children, with just society as a whole. This isn't just, I'm not just speaking, you know, off the top of my head. This is like studied and proven, well-established. Well-established that being grateful even has, uh, has, has benefits that go beyond what we can imagine. And maybe we'll, we'll discuss that in a future session. But I, I, the, the, the emphasis today is simply that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us more than we could have ever imagined. And rather than us be focused on the few things in our life that may not be so great, or that apparently are difficulties, we should magnify the innumerable blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and see the effect that it has in our life. You know, many a times we wonder, how do we become closer to Allah Ta'ala? How do we, um, you know, develop better relationships with the people that we inter interact with? Our spouses, our children, our in-laws, our workplace. How do we, uh, just in general, live a more fulfilling life? You know, the, the clear answer here, in all of these circumstances, is to be more grateful. And in particular, more grateful to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. So may Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to be more grateful. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين